Even with their radio strategy in play, Ethel could not help but continue her direct approach to sleuthing. As her confederate briefed Duane, she roamed the streets of central Juarez fearlessly, asking anyone who seemed willing about the sleepwalking American girl, a figure the locals knew well, though she was not yet connected in the popular consciousness to the fearful La Sombra. Every report seemed to contradict all the others, but even then Ethel felt she was making some progress. Most of the tales that rang true were clustered near a particular part of the Rio Grande, and too many of them to ignore pointed to a certain Dr. Gustavo Flores. Finally, she decided to pay him a visit. Quién es? Ethel Kunzler, detective privada. ¿Qué quiere aquí? Este es un hogar respetable. Sí. Er, you see, I'm, I'm looking for a fugitive. She fled across the border to evade the law. We heard she had been seen here recently in this area. Oui. I was hired by the DOI. DOI? Department of Investigation. The uh, Federales. Ay. Is it serio? Yeah, the, the girl we're chasing is very dangerous, you see. Who knows what she might do if we let her home free? Have you seen anyone? Entra, detective. Ella está aquí. Oh, okay. By she's here, you mean here? In this house? Sí, en el cuarto de huéspedes. Through there. Sí, sí. Siempre supe que era una asesina. Pero mi marido... Ay, él nunca me escucha. Y mira lo que pasa. Qué desgracia. Yes, yes. You wait here, ma'am. Even if she's been docile so far, there's no telling how she might react to being apprehended. ¿Tiene una pistola? Of course. A good detective's always armed. Stay calm, ma'am. This will all be over. ¿Qué es esto? Carlota, ¿hay alguien allá? Es una detective estadounidense, Gustavo. Está buscando a tu paciente. No te dije que era peligrosa. Basta, detective. What? Oh, sir, don't worry. I'll just take her with me and that'll be the last you see of me. May I look at your credentials? Oh, um, silly me. I, I seem to have uh, forgotten them. You are no detective, señora. What do you want with her? Claro que lo es. Los federales le enviaron. Señora, tell me, or I will call the police. That won't be necessary, sir. I'm a friend of Lizelotte. I've been looking for her ever since she disappeared. A year ago. Really? Lizelotte? Lizelotte Larmin. That's the name of the girl you have there, isn't it? She doesn't know her own name. She's an amnesiac. And I don't think that's the only thing wrong with her. It depends what you consider wrong. I'm a doctor, senora. I make no judgments. Now, please sit down so we can talk about this reasonably. Tú también, Carlota. Gustavo, este no es el momento para sentarse y charlar. Ella puede estar huyendo por la ventana ahora mismo. Necesitamos considerar este problema con mucho cuidado, Carlota. No podemos hacer decisiones de pie y llenos de emoción. Sir, can you tell me how you found my friend in the first place? It was very strange. I was on a walk along the river, when I came upon a big stone half beached on the shore. Then I looked closer and saw it was not a stone at all, but a kind of stone coffin. What was really remarkable about it, however, was what was inside. A dark-haired girl no older than 18 and very much alive. She was sitting there staring, not moving a muscle, and holding in her hands a metal box. Even here in Juarez, I had never seen anything like this. I helped her out and brought her home. 
What else was a decent man to do? Had I left her there another hour, the gangs might have gotten to her. Or worse, the police. You did the right thing. What happened to the tomb? I looked the next day and it was gone. To the Yonke, probably. And the box? In the room with her. I tried my best, but it would not open. It has some kind of number lock on it. Has she said anything about herself? She remembers nothing. She is like a shell of a person. I believe she's repressed something deep inside. And almost all of her identity is a consequence. May I see her? I think I can help her. I very much hope I can. The husband and wife looked at each other. The former's brow furrowed. The latter's lips pursed in disapproval. Yet, they were in agreement. Dr. Flores rose and led Ethel's silently to the guest room. He opened the door carefully, barely making it creak. Hardly daring to hope, Ethel held her breath as it swung open. But there she was. Lottie was sitting on the bed, staring dead-eyed like some effigy. Ethel opened her mouth, but no sound issued forth. All those long days of searching, the scouring of newspapers and the desperate interrogations, it had all led her to this room. This moment. Lottie, however, seemed entirely unaware of the momentousness of the occasion. Senorita, you have a visitor. This woman says she knows you. She says she's your friend. What? My friend? Lizalotte, it's me, Ethel. You were gone for so long. We looked for you. I... I never stopped looking. I'm sorry, I don't know who you are. Remember, the train. Rhonda, Marianne, Setzner's Theater. All that fate's thrown at us, and we stuck by each other the whole time. You have to remember. I don't remember anything. My head's all filled with fog. Whenever I try to go too far out, I feel like I'm about to fall off a cliff. You have to keep going. That's the way out. That's the way back. But, but I don't want to. You have to. Please. You don't understand what it means to me. You have to try. I, I don't know you. I wish you'd leave me alone. No, you can't. You can't! That's enough. I'm sorry for this, senorita. Come with me. No. Listen, you are Liselotte Lermin, daughter of Joseph Lermin and Cora Lermin. You are more special than you can ever know, chosen by the stars for great things. What are you talking about? You want to confuse her even more? I'm setting her straight. 5, 12, 15, 30, 72. 5, 12, 15, 30, 72. 5. Gustavo had to haul her out of the room by force and shut the door. They left Lottie with her eyes wide open, her hands, which were clamping her ears, dropping to her sides. Carlotta was waiting just outside, listening eagerly. She is my patient. I won't have you treating her this way. She's my friend. I have to make her see. I have no reason to believe you even know this poor girl. Nothing you said had any effect at all on her. You could have made up the whole story. It is our problem, Carlotta. I will not allow... Stay here. I'll get it. Can't believe this. Un momento. Ya voy. Buenas tardes. Gustavo! Valga mi Dios! Please, ma'am, there's no need for that. I understand you're upset. I'm just here for the girl. Nobody else has to get hurt. I just want her. 
monstruo. Lo mataste. Lo mataste. You're gonna be like that? Okay. Last chance, ma'am. Where's the girl? The sleepwalker. The Yankee. Vete al infierno, hijo de puta! No voy a hacerle nada! Okay. I guess I'll just go ahead and look then. The masked man dragged the bodies into the corner, first carefully shutting the door. Ethel watched this from the hallway, then darted out of sight as soon as he started looking that way. When he passed into the kitchen, she ducked into the guest room as soundlessly as she could, finding Lottie seemingly on the verge of tears. You, what did you say your name? Shh. Quiet, Lizarotte. There's someone here who wants to do you harm. What do you mean? Who? I don't know. But he means business. We have to get out of here as soon as we can. What? What about Dr. Flores? He'll be all right. He's not in any danger. Are you sure? Positive. Come on. Does this uh, window open? Um. Yeah. What's that? Dr. Flores says I had it when he found me. I'm guessing it's important, whatever it is. You... you... opened it. Yeah, it's those numbers. There's something about them. They make a picture in my head. Like a beacon. It lets me see. The... combination. Of, of course, but, but what's... It's nothing. Just a dirty rag. Just a stupid old... Sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. Something about... Uh, what did you say my name was? Lisa Lotte. And I'm Ethel. I'm here to... Anybody in there? Oh, no, 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 no. Listen to me, Lisa Lotte. You have to put on the blindfold. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I can't, I can't. I'm sorry. Lisa Lotte. I'm coming in. I'm sorry, Ethel. Good evening. You're who I'm looking for. That was pretty low of you to hide back here and let me kill those fine folks back there. They weren't part of the challenge. I'd have been happy to leave them be. That's a lie. I know you're kind. You find whatever excuse you can to kill. I ain't from no kind, sister. I'm my own man. My only equals died four centuries ago. Cortez burned the Tetnochitlan. White boy thinks he's an Aztec warrior. Yeah? Where did you get your costume? Did mummy make it for you? You're not being very nice. You know, I need your friend alive, but nobody gives a shit about you, lady. Maybe I ought to play it safe and whack you, too. Come on and try it. I dare you. Mister, no. Ignoring Lottie's confused pleas, El Nagual swung his sharp obsidian club in an arc toward Ethel, only to strike the metal box. Taking advantage of the momentary respite, she threw her shield out the window, shattering it, then dove out of it with Lottie by the hand. They rolled out the inclined road, landing roughly near the riverbank. Ethel wasted no time in looking back, and spied the masked man already clambering out the window in pursuit. Time to go, Lisa Lotte. Come on! Oh, okay. So they set off into the city now bathed in twilight, their fearsome adversary hard on their heels. Meanwhile, back at the hotel, Duane was still trying his best to make sense of all he had been told. And surprisingly, largely succeeding. So she goes places in her dreams? And then it's like they're real in real life? Uh, more or less. She has the unique ability to draw abilities from her dream walking. Sometimes incredibly powerful ones. It figures, I suppose. She was always living in stories in her head ever since she was a kid. Her folks gave her hell for it sometimes. Such ignorance. 
What Lottie has is a gift. One in two billion. It ain't brought her much good, has it? I'd agree with you there. All the same, I must admit I am envious. I have no desire for the sight you have. But to see the beautiful architecture of eternity as she does, oh, that is something I long for more than anything. Still, mustn't complain, eh? I'm still the best blind cardamancer west of the Mississippi. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. Could you tell me my fortune while we wait? <laughs> Why, of course. Because you're a nice boy. I'll do it for free of charge, too. Thanks. Oh, uh, sorry. Is there a bathroom around here I can use first? It was a real long trip. <laughs> Down the hall. Be warned, it's got a rather foul odor. Don't worry, I figured. I'll be right back. Aha! I've got you now. Hands behind your back and no funny business or I'll have to get rough on you. Sheriff? What are... what are you doing here? Hey! Apprehending you in the name of the law, of course. What does it look like I'm doing? Sorry for the inconvenience, madam. I'll be finished shortly. What is the meaning of this? Of what crime is he guilty? Loitering, delinquency, resisting arrest, assaulting an officer of the law, you name it, he's done it. I've been tracking this one since him and his girlfriend got away from me in Aurora, Texas. Now I just need the female and justice will be well and truly served. You lunatic. He's lying. When Lottie and I escaped, he was trying to use us as bait for flying saucers. Shut your mouth, laddie. You're talking to an officer of the law. You're a sheriff? That's right, I am. Got the star on everything. Serving the United States government? Exactly. Aren't you a little outside your jurisdiction, then? Why, bloody hell, she's right. First reasonable thing I've ever heard you say. Now, could I be uncuffed, please? Are you joking? I'll have to drag you past the border, then I'll arrest you proper. Pain in the ass, but a man's gotta do what a man's gotta do. Seriously? You really got no principles at all? Shut it, I said. This is your last warning. Sheriff! It might interest you to know that this young man's lady love will shortly be returning here. Really? Really? If you want to get this set, you'd be wise to wait around. Good thinking. My thanks to you, madam. It's nothing. I'm Zeta Zetsna, by the way, but you can call me Zeta. I chanted to make your acquaintance, Zeta. Jack Partridge. Oh, you sound like you're from foreign shores, Sheriff. How did you come to be employed in Texas, of all places? I'm sure it's a fascinating story. It is, actually. I suppose it began when I was a lad back in Adelaide. My father was a postman, you see. So he'd always be telling me and my brothers about some parcel that had come in from somewhere exotic, Tokyo or Colombo or San Francisco, so naturally I... Excuse me, could you uncuff... Quiet. Anyway. The sheriff continued on his rambling autobiography, little concerned for the prone Duane's protests, while Zeta cunningly egged him on to keep him distracted. Scarcely two blocks away, Ethel and Lottie had found temporary refuge beneath the floor of an abandoned shack. Though it stank far worse than even the hotel's toilet, they were far too frightened to leave. It began to seem as if they would have to spend the night there. Lottie still had the tattered blindfold from the box in her hands, and now she found herself transfixed by it.
If you're wondering, it's something you've won before. When? More than once. Whenever you went into the land of dreams. Dreams? That don't sound right. I never remember my dreams. Maybe you don't want to. Have you thought of that? I don't know. I, I don't know anything. You know more than you think. Believe me, Lizalot. You have something extraordinary within you. But it's hidden. You have to bring it to light. When you call me that name, it feels right. I suppose I am, Lizalotti. None other. But there's something else I am, too. Not just Lizalot. Another being. A another self. When I shut my eyes, it comes. And then... And then... It's alright. I'm here. I'll always be here. I see a chamber. It's dark. There's people all around. They're all looking at me. A tall man with the glass eyes smiling at me. And his pet mongoose, too. The others, I don't recognize them, but they look like alive, but somehow not alive. Preserved. Not like the folks down in that skeleton town. They look like they've been walled in here for who knows how long. And if you let in any air, they'd all turn to dust. Someone's leading me forward by the hand. To the sarcophagus. The lid is lying beside it. I can see inside. It's empty. No pharaoh, no nothing. Now the Baron's given a speech. He says the ritual's complete, all the requirements fulfilled. The ceremony has arrived. He says I played my part better than he could ever hope. He's real proud. Everyone cheers. My mother turns back to look at me. She says she didn't understand at first, but now she does. This is what the pharaoh is. The firmament. The rock upon which Slumberland is built. Sovereign, Pharaoh, Icon. They're all the names for the same thing. Something bigger than all the wars and all the dead. But it's not forever. The Pharaoh's age is over. Now a new dreamer must create a new dream. That's what the Naranon is for. That's what I was chosen for. To start the story over again and do it right. She holds me close, tears streaming from her eyes. Diane, Mary Ann, all the others, Pa, even, they were sacrifices. Offerings to sustain this dying realm while I was made ready to perform my duty. I let go of my mother. I notice I'm crying, too. I lean forward, reaching to touch the bottom of the sarcophagus. Soon as I do, it feels like there's an earthquake. The whole chamber shakes that starts to come undone. Ma pushes me in. She smiles and says she loves me very much. Cold Coffin places something inside I can't make out, then shuts me in, just as the ceiling collapses above them. Everything is dark. I can't hear anything but my own breathing. Somehow I feel that everything outside is now gone, and I'm the only thing left in the whole universe. And I try to dream I'm back home, and Ma and Pa are there, and none of this awfulness ever happened. But even I don't believe it. I panic. Because I feel it, and I'm scared. Something's changed. I'm not the girl who lived that life. I'm Lottie Lerman, and I'm something else, too. What are you, then? A shadow. A shadow to haunt the world. My god. Huh? What's that sound? He's close. We've got to get out of here. You sure? Wouldn't it be safer to stay put? No. There's only one way to end this, and you're holding it in your hands. Ethel, I'm really not sure about this. This thing, it's like, it wants to eat me up whole. 
What if when it comes out again, there'll be nothing left of what I was? What if I forget everything again? You're Lottie Lerman. You're a remarkable young woman. Remember that. If you ever do forget, I'll be here to remind you, okay? <gasps> she gazed deep into the blindfold in the half-light and felt that burning clarity rolling into her mind once more. It had been comfortable to languish in the fog, but now she saw she could not go back. She had no choice. The strip of cloth covered her eyes once more, obliterating the hovel around her and the sight of Ethel's concerned face. In its place was a dark, humid cave, rather like a womb. Oh, and I was there too. My liege, it is good to see you again. Mr. Soulgavel, I remember now. You... you left me. I did no such thing. You ventured where I warned you not to go. To the nether realm, the necro world, and behold, the result. I can't see nothing. It's all dark. There is nothing to see. It is all gone. The fabulous court of Ultramarine, the shining spires of the High District, even the ancient temple of the Sightless Oracle, whose columns have stood since time immemorial. All Slumberland has been sucked up into oblivion. You mean, I did that? It is the Pharaoh's doing, I know that much. Perhaps he used your power against your will. No matter. It is done now. All that is left to us is to seek him out, put an end to his schemes once and for all. But at the ceremony, they told me that- What? What lies did the fiend who slayed your father tell you? Did you believe him? I didn't... I don't... I don't know what to believe. But I don't think what you're telling me is right either. My liege, listen to me. I shall explain. Do not fall away. You must listen! No! No! Even as I tried to comfort her, she recoiled from me, opened her eyes to return to the waking world. Ethel greeted her with alarm. Are you alright? It was like I couldn't hit you. I saw him, Ethel. Soul Gavel. Soul Gavel? I'm finally gone, haven't I? I've lost him. I'm crazy. You shouldn't believe a word I say. Look. <laughs> He's outside. Quick, out the other way. No, you don't. Faster than either of them could react, El Nagual leapt in, struck Ethel in the head, and pulled Lottie out onto the street with a firm grip. She cried bloody murder, but no one would come to her aid in this neighborhood. Disoriented as I was by the sudden disconnect, I could not come to her either. It seemed as if there would once again be no salvation for poor Lottie Lerman. Please, mister, I don't want anything to do with this. Just let me go back to Ethel. Sorry, Cupcake. Your friend's probably bled out by now. And besides, somebody wants you. Alive. In my opinion, capture is a much greater challenge than killing. Who cares? Let me go. No chance. When I start a job, I always see it through. You fucker! Now that's just uncalled for. Have I ever raised my voice? Before the masked man could finish, Lottie swung her arm up, holding on tight to a fistful of dirt from the road, shut her eyes, and dreamt of gunpowder. The second she opened her fist and pushed the dirt against his chest, it went off with a bang, sending the stunned bounty hunter flying to the end of the street. Unfortunately, the force of the blast made the poor girl hit her head and lose consciousness too. They both lay there on a desolate street, watched fearfully by the locals from the safety of their windows. But it was El Nagual who got up first, dusting himself off and feeling the burns in his exposed chest. He shuffled over to the unconscious Lottie and pulled her over his shoulder again with some difficulty. Like an unstoppable machine, he then began to lumber, slowly but surely, toward his destination. Now there was a new group watching the action unfold from a covert distance. 
none other than Sheriff Partridge, Madame Zetzner, and Dwayne Taylor, drawn by the noise to the scene of the crime. The villain! Time to take him now whilst he's weakened. He got up from a bomb going off in his chest. I think you might be outmatched, Sheriff. Nonsense. Whilst I've got my trusty Enfield and he's just carrying about that silly little club, he'll not be getting the better of me. Betcha had to fumble around in the dark a while for that, huh? After bravely throwing it into the cornstalks. Yes, I did, damn you. You still owe me for that. But enough talking, he's done for. No. Wait, Ethel! You, you didn't see the masked man. He took Lottie. I know, and we have to let him get to where he's going. What do you mean? Someone hired him. If we follow him, we'll find out who. And untangle this whole stinking web. Do you suppose he's got Jeff too? It's possible. Excuse me, miss. Who are you exactly? A concerned party. That accent sounds a little fishy. Are you an American citizen? Are you? Uh, at least I'm not a Jerry. You're Ethel, right? That's right. And you're the tailor boy. How do you... Lottie told you about me? Oh, all the time. I think she'd be very happy to see you. But first we've got to help her. Come on, everybody. You're not listening to the Bosch, are you? That's what Asketh did in 1914. And look where it got us. Come on, Sheriff. You don't want to miss your chance. Righty hell. I'll live to regret this, won't I? Holstering his revolver, the Sheriff followed the other three in discreet pursuit of El Nagual and his unconscious captive. Though they didn't know it yet, they were all headed to the cavernous basement of an abandoned warehouse in the poorest part of the city, exactly where Dr. Barrett had been summoned by a cryptic message delivered to his doorstep. As the mobster stepped off the staircase into the near pitch darkness, his features betrayed his disdain. What the hell kind of place is this? Someone turn on the lights! Sorry, Doctor. The boss thought the darkness would be good for the scene setting. The boss? Did you forget I'm your boss, Jaguar Man? Actually, no. You're my contractor. I never said I was independent. Behold! The heaven and heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. How much less this house that I have builded. The light came on suddenly, revealing an enormous scaffolding in the center of the room shaped like a pyramid, with Lottie lying in the exact center of it. In front of the pyramid was a slight man with tonsured hair wearing a simple gray habit. El Nagual looked to him reverently, further confusing the doctor. Who is this clown? That's El Monhe, doctor. A very important fellow. He sent for you. You in particular. You're saying this was all a setup? The broad's working for you too? Oh no. I had a hell of a time getting her here, actually. The boss has been looking for her for a long time. And they said to one another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. I don't care what weird sex ritual this freak wants her for. I want her dead. I paid you for her to be dead. Yeah, thanks for that. It was the last bit of funding we needed to finish the construction. Quite something, isn't it? I couldn't care less. I'm two seconds from calling my boys in from outside to finish her off. And yous too, if you get in the way. You and I both know they wouldn't stand much of a chance. I think you're better off playing along for now, Doctor. Turn ye not unto idols, nor make yourself molten gods. I am the Lord, your God. You don't look much like any kind of god to me. But hey, tell you what, to each his own. You want to keep the broad here in your charming little dungeon? Be my guest. I'll just leave and never see any yous again. How's that? Where am I? Monk? Is that you? She's awake. 
Oh Lord have mercy, I'm out of here. Ah! Sorry, we can't have you going out there. Monk, you gotta help me. That man took me here, he hurt Ethel. He... what are you doing? And Jacob lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took off the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. I don't want to sleep. I gotta get out of here. I gotta... And he dreamed. And behold, a ladder set upon the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Don't... And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac. And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest and will bring thee again into this land. What? What the hell is he talking about? The man with the glass eye who lives in the other world took something from him. He took part of his mind. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, now he wants it back and he wants his revenge too. Sure, it's a lot of effort for one bit of revenge. He's not the kind of fellow to do things by halves. Ah! Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice! For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance, and the year of recompenses for the controversy of Zion. What's that noise? Is it coming from the barn? That's the sound of the other world, Doctor. The girl's just the focus point. See, the pyramid's built according to the exact same specifications of the pyramid in the sky, where the glass-eyed man lives, the place where all dreams come from. Really? I must have missed Sunday school that day. Yeah, right. What's more, with the right numbers, he can summon the unreal into reality, make it his own. Who hath laid the measures thereof, thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And when that glass-eyed man comes looking for him to get his power back, I can kill him. A man from the stars. That'll be quite something, huh? Sure, pal. Sure thing. One-fifth, one-third, six-tenths, four-tenths, eight-fifteenths. Yes. Yes! I can. I can speak! I am Pratchett, and the words of my mouth are my own again. Look at me now, cold coffin. Revenge is mine. Mine alone. As Monk reveled in the return of his sanity, his unearthly ritual reached its completion, delivering the makeshift pyramid with him and Lottie inside it to the cramped cavern that was all that remained of Slumberland. And waiting for them there in the gloom was none other than Cora Lerman, much to Monk's confusion. No. No, this isn't right. Where's Cold Coffin? Where's the Black Pyramid? It's gone, mister. And all them that peopled it along with it. That's impossible! You lie, woman. Tell me where they have gone. I told you already. I'm all that's left. And I'm just here because the O'Neronaut ain't gotten started yet. O'Neronaut? What is the meaning of that? You have no idea what you've got back there, do you? Where? Her? She is only an instrument. I am the supreme- Hush now, Lottie. Lottie, it's time to wake up. You got a job to do. What is the meaning of this? I demand you tell me. Wake up, baby girl. Don't be scared. Just open your eyes and let it in. Let that purpose fill you. Become that purpose. Enough! I will- As he brushed the woman aside to get to Lottie, he found to his utter surprise a hand stuck in his stomach. It pulled out his large intestine, just like it was unrolling a fire hose, and continued to pull until his guts had been thoroughly spilled. Lottie stood up and faced Monk, 
whose face now resembled a wax replica, frozen in an unconvincing gape of horror. Only then did he drop, not a drop of life left in him. With a delicate press of a single foot, she pushed his body down into the muck at their feet, another sacrifice for the birth of the new slumberland. Then Cora took Lottie, or the thing that looked like Lottie, in her arms and held her as only a mother could. She cried, but they were not tears of sadness. Oh, baby girl, you've done so well. Now's your chance to show them. All those folks who shunned you, pushed you aside, didn't see you for what you were. They'll get theirs now. You'll make the world greater than anyone else ever could. I just know you will. What about you? Where will you go? I'm done here. I guess I'll go down to join your father now. He's down there somewhere in those gray hills. Maybe you can come see us sometime. I will. But why did he go first? The Baron came and spoke to us. He gave us a choice. Not the best choice in the world, mind you. But he stepped up. Wouldn't take no argument. If someone had to guide you on your way forward, he said, it could only be me. And he also said to tell you something. If I ever got the chance. I guess now's the moment. What? You're a fine woman, Lottie. Don't let nobody tell you different. You mind that now. That's the truest thing your father ever said. Am I? Lonnie. You're everything she is, at any rate. Maybe a little more. No, ain't I lucky. I got to see you get born twice. What mother could ask for more? Is it now? Is this where I start building? The foundations are there. But you're going to need a whole lot more raw material to get it going. Best get on that. Good luck, baby girl. Goodbye, mother. Goodbye, daughter. Make me proud. With a smile, she melted into the shadows of the cave, leaving the shadow Lottie behind. She turned back to the pyramid, her eyes as ever closed, and ran her hand along the timber that made up its scaffolding. Tightening her grip on it, she made it turn to stone. There was a start. But the rest of the work had to be done back where she had come from. Now she turned her thoughts there, where utter chaos reigned. Her murder of Monk had not gone unwitnessed on the outside, but El Nagual had been prevented from intervening by Sheriff Partridge, who had made his entrance in characteristically grand fashion by holding him up at gunpoint. The others had come in too, but none dared enter the pyramid which radiated a burning icy cold. All they could do was watch Lottie's actions in the dream realm, confident that their opponent had been subdued. Until Partridge's attention drifted, allowing the masked man to knock his pistol out of his hand. You bastard! I had that at Gallipoli. Sorry, I don't know where that is. <laughs> Look out! Thanks, friend. You received medical assistance soon. Just got to deal with this ruffian. Don't worry, Sheriff. I got it. I know how to shoot a gun, too. Hands up, leopard man. That's Elmer Gual, if you don't mind. I may be wearing a jaguar costume, but that doesn't mean I ain't capable of rational conversation. Don't listen to him. I've known men like that. There's no reason. Only the need for power. Rather like your late employer, eh? Elmon Hay's a great man. A man who sought out his goal with everything he had. And your friend just ended all of that. He was a madman. I knew him. He betrayed me. And everyone else who've got in his way. See where that brought him in the end. I don't care. I'll kill your friend. No matter what power she's got, I'll kill her. Like I said before, try it. I dare you. I'm actually quite curious to see how it goes. Ethel! I think you might well last all of two minutes. But then again, that might be a generous assessment. Ethel, Lottie's she's coming, coming out. out! The shadow Lottie emerged from the pyramid, hands covered in the very real frozen blood of her adversary, but otherwise seemingly not affected by the cold whatsoever. She took a moment to put her blindfold on, then addressed all those assembled. 
Hello, all of you. I am not the woman you know. I was born of her, but I am not her. I am the shadow called to reshape the world of dreams. But before the building must come the sacrifice. Seventy-two thousand is the price. It falls to your world to pay. Seventy-two thousand is the price. It falls to your world to pay. In blood. I ain't paying anything. It's you that's gonna pay, sister. You don't scare me, masked man. Come, show me what you're made of. Should I stop? Let him. Are you mad? She has to. Without delay, El Nagual left at the perfectly still Lottie, who intercepted his blow with a right hook like a prize fighter's that effortlessly broke his jaw. But he did not relent. Another strike hit her hips, knocking her back. Seizing his moment, he knocked her to the ground and tried to choke her out. All she had to do was open her mouth and breathe out to get him off, clutching his burning mask. Evidently, she had a dream she was a dragon. He threw the mask off, revealing a scrawny, unshaven visage, but the loss only made him even more recklessly determined. She did not wait for him to attack this time, flying at him like a bird of prey and bringing him down with only her feet, with him immobilized and the talons digging deep into his chest. She decided to show mercy. Concede, and you'll get an easy death. Sorry. That's not how I do things. When I start a job, see, I always see it through. As you wish, then. She bent down, and to the horror of all the spectators, plucked out the formerly masked man's heart with her mouth, which seemed sharp as a beak. She brought the organ into the pyramid, let it fall, and turned to the others. Partridge seemed slightly nauseated, while Duane was entirely nonplussed. Ethel and Zeta's faces remained as ever, unreadable. Lottie, what was that? I told you, this isn't Lottie. Think of me as her shadow, if you like. Is she in there? Can't I talk to her for a second? Later, perhaps. For now, I have further business here. But I came all this- Just a moment. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm arresting you in the name of the law for murder in the first degree. This ain't America, jackass. You can't do shit here. Then I will be uh, reporting you to the proper local authorities. <laughs> nice try, Sheriff. You're next. Thank you. Somebody remembered I exist. This knee hurts a lot, you know. Not nearly as much as you deserve. That's rude. Dr. Simon Barrett. You're not even a doctor, are you? Just a petty crook who got lucky. That's a lot of lip coming from abroad. Time to meet your fate. What are you doing? Hey, put me down. Put me down, you crazy broad. I don't want to go near your blood-drenched sex pyramid. This is more than you deserve. Lottie, what are you doing? Justice. In an instant, her eyes flashed with lightning, and electricity ran through her whole body from head to toe. The charge seemed to have a much greater effect on Barrett, however, whose eyes bulged and skin burned so crisp, as if struck full-on by a bolt of lightning. She let him fall, another soul for her great project. 71,997 remain. Why did you do that, Lottie? Who was that man? A local gangster. He tried to have me killed, far from his first. What about the law? Shouldn't he be tried? That's what I said. Get your own ideas, boy. He'd get off. Find some excuse. They all would. This is what has to be done. The only question is if you'll help me, or not. What's this all got to do with dreamwalking? Your mother and Jeff? They both helped me see the way ahead. I owe them an enormous debt. I know what my task is now, but to fulfill it, I need sacrifices. 
72,000 people of the world would be better off without. I imagine there must be at least that many, no? So you're just gonna kill them? Rip their hearts out? How is it any different from the gas chamber? Or the firing squad? How many innocents die such deaths every day? With what I can do, I have a chance to set the world right and build another alongside. Think of all that Slumberland can give us. I won't leave it dead. I refuse. You heard her. Now, who's with us? I... I guess. If it's what Jeff told you to do, then I will follow. Are you all mad? This woman is obviously a lunatic. Careful there, Sheriff. I happen to know you haven't been the most upstanding citizen yourself. Why, that's ludicrous. I won't stand for it. Fine, then. Stay out of my way. This is your last warning. With that, Lottie turned away and began to make her way up the steps, back into the night. Dwayne, head bowed, followed close behind, helping Zita as she felt her way with her cane. Ethel hung back for a while to look at the pyramid, now thoroughly smeared with blood and internal organs. Partridge, sickened by the sight, left surreptitiously as soon as he could. It was at this moment that I chose to emerge, quite foolishly as it turns out. My Lee, where is she? She's gone. You missed her. Damn. It is imperative I speak to her before she falls further under the Pharaoh's sway. Too late for that, too? She's bought into it all the way, as you can see. By the great Gigi, then I have truly failed. I will inform the Sovereign and request the highest punishment for myself. The Sovereign? Good God, you really are dense, aren't you? What is that supposed to mean? One moment. I know you. Took you long enough? Dread sister, I should have slain you at the Field of Apples when I had the chance. Well, you didn't, so that's that then. You've been corrupting her all this time, haven't you? Right under my very nose. Please, you think I'm still a cultist like Cold Coffin? I found out the whole game and I'm done with it. I play on my own terms now. Do you still kill hundreds every month to appease your icon of stone? Don't make me laugh, buddy. As if your knights don't polish off ten times as many enemies of the realm whenever they feel like going on a crusade. We're all feeding the same thing. The firmament needs souls. All the wars were just excuses. You're mad. Even more than before. But I will stop you. Oh yeah? Die, harlot. There you go. Forgot, didn't you? My ace in the hole. Of course, I had forgotten. As soon as she lifted her shades, I was hit full on by her evil gaze. It brought me low within seconds, while she laughed and pulled down her glasses again. I watched her go as my strength left me, sending me back to that darkness from which we were all born, and to which all must in time return. For Lottie Lerman, I pray it is not too late. But the task of leading her on the right path lies with another now. Let us hope a better man than me.